In this episode of Kids Bible Breakdown, we're breaking down Genesis 38. This chapter takes a little break from the story of Joseph to tell us about his brother Judah. You know, the one who came up with the let's sell our brother idea. So Judah left his brothers and went to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. There, Judah met the daughter of one of the Canaanite men, and he married her. He then had sons with her. The first son was named Er. She had another son and named him Onan. Then she had a third son, and she named him Shelah. Judah got a wife for his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Er was a wicked man, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah told his second son, Onan, to take Tamar, his former brother's wife, as his wife so they could have children together. Time for a story pause. As we discussed in previous chapters, it was very important back in those days to have children, and especially sons. Sons ensured that the family name was carried on and they would get their father's inheritance or all of their father's belongings once the father died. It was also very important for a woman to have sons because men had a lot more opportunities to gain wealth back then. So if a woman did not have any sons and her husband died, not only did she typically not get most of the belongings her husband had owned because it was expected to stay within the man's family, she also had a hard time getting money to pay for basic things needed to stay alive, like food and clothes. In order for the family bloodline to be continued and for the wife of the dead brother to be cared for, the rule was, if one brother died and his wife had no children, the next brother in line would marry their brother's wife in order to have children with her. And the children that he had with her would be considered the first brother's children. Then that son would receive all the possessions that had belonged to the brother who died. A little wacky sounding, but those people didn't watch Disney movies. And getting married back in those days was done more as a business move for wealth and peace more than it was for love. So since Tamar didn't have any children, when Er died, Onan was expected to take Tamar as a wife and give her a son that would be considered Tamar and Er's son. However, Onan was selfish and he did not want to make a son that he couldn't claim as his own. So he did everything he could not to have a baby with Tamar. The Lord saw Onan's selfish heart and the Lord punished him and Onan died as well. Now Judah is running out of sons quickly. His last son, Shelah, was still young and Judah was worried that this one would die too. So Judah told Tamar to live as a widow, which means someone who has lost their husband, in her father's household until the youngest son grew up. Then Jacob promised to have Shelah marry Tamar. So Tamar went back to live with her father. She remained there a long time. However, Judah did not give Tamar to Shelah as a wife, even though he was a grown man. Then Judah's wife died. When Judah had recovered from his grief and mourning, he went to the town of Timnah to see men who were shearing his sheep. Tamar found out that her father-in-law was on the way to Timnah. So she took off her widow's clothing that she had worn since her husband's death and disguised herself. Then she sat down at the entrance to one of the cities, which was on the road to Timnah. When Judah saw her, he did not realize that it was his daughter-in-law, and he wanted to lay with her. She asked him, What will you give me if I lay with you? Judah promised her that he would send a young goat back from his flock. He still didn't realize that he was talking to his daughter-in-law. Tamar asked that Judah give her something as a pledge that could identify him until he kept his word and sent a goat back to her. Judah asked Tamar, what should I give you? Tamar asked for Judah's seal and its cord and the staff that was in his hand. Back then, people used their seal as a way to sign or identify themselves on documents. Each person or family had a seal that identified them. 
So Tamar laid with Judah and became pregnant. She then left and went back to her father's house and put back on her widow's clothes. Meanwhile, Judah sent one of his friends back with a goat to give to Tamar, just as he had promised. Of course, at that time, he still didn't know that it was his daughter-in-law, Tamar, and the man was unable to find her. He asked around town trying to find her so that he could pay her what Judah owed her, but nobody knew who he was talking about. So he went back to Judah and told him, I cannot find the woman. About three months later, Judah was told that his daughter-in-law, Tamar, was pregnant. Judah was upset that his first son's wife was pregnant with someone else's child and said, bring her out and have her killed. But when they brought Tamar out, she said, I am pregnant by the man who owns these things. And she showed Judah's seal and cord and his staff to him. Judah recognized them and knew that the baby Tamar was carrying was his. He was not mad at her because he knew that he did not have Shelah marry her like he was supposed to. When it came time for Tamar to have the babies, they were twin boys. One boy reached out his hand and the nurse tied a scarlet thread to his wrist, saying, this one was born first. That way, they could tell the babies apart when they both came out. But after she tied the thread to the baby's wrist, the baby pulled his arm back in and his brother came out first. The first baby to be born was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out, and he was named Zara. We have talked a lot about how patient and loving God is, but he's just not some teddy bear. He is also a just and a holy judge who will punish those he sees fit to punish. And let's be honest, we all deserve his judgment and punishment because we have all sinned. Our God is a powerful force. An F5 tornado looks like child's play compared to what our God can do. Our God spoke the universe into existence, so he can definitely split the earth in half with a single word. He holds life and death in his hand. To try to even understand what he can do should strike fear in the heart of every person. But imagine this. Imagine a little five-year-old boy. He is all alone when a bigger eight-year-old bully comes up and starts to pick on him and pushing him. Soon, some of the bully's friends surround him and start to join in. This little five-year-old boy is terrified when all of a sudden, this huge mountain of a man approaches. This man is the world's strongest man, and he has a black belt in martial arts. And he's the world's heavyweight boxing champion, not to mention the fact that he's an expert with every kind of weapon. He has a look on his face that strikes fear into the hearts of the bullies. The bullies look up at the man and cower in fear, running away because they're afraid for their lives. The little five-year-old looks up at the man and smiles because the man is his father. God's power is breathtaking and is absolutely terrifying unless he is your father. Then what others find terrifying is the source of comfort. He is our father and our protector to those that know him. He is willing to give his life for us. How do I know that, you ask? Because he already did. God the Son came to earth as Jesus with all the power of the universe and gave his life to take the punishment we deserve, his life for ours, our protector, and our amazing God.